Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Welcome to the show. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. You are listening to Conversations with Cynthia, and this is Friday. So for many of you, it's the end of your week, and we are ending this week as we talk all about this fearless moral inventory, this idea of accepting who you are as the ability then to change what needs to change. And we talked earlier this week and last week, you know, about so many different things. We talked earlier this week about stop doing certain things. They're just going to take all the life out of you. And I think I did 30 or something things to stop doing to yourself. And the previous week, we talked so much about potential and, and really being someone that is not a fear-based person and unleashing potential. And, and when we think about potential, you have to understand that if you don't know who you are, if you have things about you that you don't like and you won't accept, you have things that are unresolved, things that, that you are not taking responsibility for, things that you are not accepting about either your limitations or amazing abilities, and you don't want to accept it, then you will never be able to fulfill the potential of what has God has, pl- has placed in you, planted in you. You have to remember you were a little seed in your mother's womb. And God put tons of potential. See, that's what Ephesians 2.10 is, is that we're God's handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. That's Ephesians 2.10. He has prepared so many things in advance for us to accomplish, to experience, to be life-changing for his world. God created everything with potential, including you. And the potential, that word potential means it's dormant. It's, the, it's dormant ability. It's reserved power. It's untapped, unused. It's hidden talents. It's capped ability, capped capability too. So potential is all you can be but have not yet become. All you can do but have not yet done. So when you are really looking at this idea of being able to release that potential, you have to look at what may be the blocks. See, it's, a di- it's difficult for your potential to be released without a combination of faith and love. That's faith means I trust who God made me to be. I trust the dreams that he's placed within me. And I also trust that I can come to him with the things that are getting in the way of my potential and that he will help me and that he still loves me. And we talked yesterday so much about his kindness, that God is kind, not necessarily always soft. So your potential is equal to the assignment. And, and that's why you have to understand that God has never asked you to do something you cannot do, but you have the ability to usurp that. You have the ability to get in the way of that assignment. 
you have the ability, more than the enemy of your soul has the ability, more than the world has the ability to completely decimate that assignment, that calling. So this is a major issue when you think about potential and potentiality. That if you don't water the seed, create the soil that it needs, prune it, make sure that pests and, and disease doesn't kill it, then that's, that seed will never, will never achieve its potential. It's the same with you. God planted it. You're now the gardener. You need to tend it. And this is, it's, it's painful and it's difficult. And we, we left off yesterday about confession. And this is really important about safe people and safe people that you confess to. And see, this is different. Close, think about this idea of covering. And this is what repentance and confession is about. It's another human covering. And we know that Jesus covers us. He covers our sins. So the sins many times are the weak areas of us, the diseased areas, the sick areas. And so we wear clothes for covering. And if you remember in the garden, the first, one of the first things that Adam and Eve did was make clothes for themselves. They wanted to cover up who they are. And God says to them after he found them, he says, why were you hiding? And they said, we sinned. We messed up. And, he's, and they, previously to that, the issue of messing up was that they realized they were naked. And this is imperative when you understand that the uncovering of my soul to another person is the process through which healing occurs. And this is also where victory occurs. I can't do it all on my own. And Jesus is the greatest example. He became a human. He's God in the flesh. And he could not do it all by himself. He needed humans. Humans need humans. So you need someone to be a covering to you. It doesn't always have to be a professional. It can be a spouse. It can be a best friend. It can be a sister or brother. It could certainly be a therapist, a pastor, priest, whoever that is. That you say, I need to tell somebody on the planet needs to know that I struggle with this or that I did this or that I want to do this. And so the clothing is for protection. It's not to cover it up as if it's not there. It's to make sure that the right people see what's being covered. You know, the police pick up people that walk around the city naked. That's not, it's not appropriate. So you don't want to be naked in your disclosure. You want to make sure that you have proper covering. And this is the process of how we are then to be healed. And so as we look at this idea of, of doing everything without grumbling, and I love this, and this is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, because we can have a tendency to complain about all of this. Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to look at it. I want to do it tomorrow. I want to minimize it. I want to obsess about it. And so this verse in Philippians, it says, Therefore, dear friends, 
as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but, mu but now much more in my absence. Continue. Continue. This is the operative word. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and act in order to fulfill his good purpose. There's a lot of things in that verse. So he says, therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Now that's a kind thing that God would say, as you have always obeyed. <laughs> because there's no human that has always obeyed. But that's the beauty of repentance. That's what God sees. When we repent, he says he puts as far as our sins, as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. He only remembers the good. Isn't that amazing? And this is evident of that. So he says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the fear in this context means respect. Respect the work you are doing. Respect it. And yes, it is going to be scary. Because you're going to have to face some things. You're going to have to say no to some things. You're going to have to battle with your flesh. You're going to have to say yes to some things. You're going to have to take some risks in order to really actualize your potential. So it's going to get a little scary. And you're going to need to respect the process. And he says, so work it out with fear and trembling. I don't care how shaky you are. I don't care how unconfident you are, how worried, how, how fear-based, how trepidatious you are. Just do it. Keep doing it. Keep walking it out. And it goes on to say, for it is God who works in you. See, when we are willing to do that piece, we don't have to do God's part of being brave in that way. He says, listen, just work it out with fear and trembling. I don't care how ridiculous you look. I don't care if you're crying the whole entire way, if you're trembling and sobbing and shaky and tripping. I just want you to continue working it out, no matter how scary and no matter how shaky you are. Because God, God is working in you as you do that to will and act. He's helping you to do his will and to act in order to fulfill the purpose that he called you to do. You're not all on your own when you do this. He's just asking us to do things that are contrary to our fallen nature. He's asking us to do things that feel like we would do, want to do the opposite. He's saying, go repent and tell somebody all, all, all your dirty laundry. Go and make sure somebody here on the planet knows it. Then I can really begin to work out in you the good purpose. So working out my salvation, it can be very scary. But it can also be done with fear, which is awe. See, salvation is big. It's serious. It's miraculous. And working it out is learning to stand on my own two feet. It's growing up. Think about little children, how they hide. They lie, they deny, they manipulate, they steal. And I tell, I've told this story before. It's a hilarious story in retrospect, but it shows it's such a young age character in humans. So I love animals. And uh, this is back in the day where there used to be a yellow front. Now people that are my age are going to remember yellow front, but... It's kind of like a CVS sort of, but with a hardware store as well, connected like together. 
So my mom and I went to a yellow front. She probably wanted to get paint or something for the house. And I was five, and I had this little shirt that had a lining in it. It's a little terry cloth shirt with lining. And there were these turtles, if you remember those green turtles that had the little red stripe on the neck. And everybody was buying them, and, and they were wonderful. And, and there was this whole aquarium full of these little turtles, and I wanted one. So I reached my hand in the aquarium, I pulled it out, and I hid it in the lining of my shirt. So we go out and we get in the car, and the turtle is now crawling around in my shirt. And I'm quite uncomfortable. And my mom says to me, Cindy, what's going on? Are you okay? I'm like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. So I race into the house, and I take this, dig this turtle out of my shirt, and I put it in a little box on a windowsill because I'm going to find a way to figure out, to justify that I had this turtle. And so my mom comes into my bedroom, sits on the bed. She goes, Cindy, something is wrong. What is wrong? What happened? What did you do? What's going on? I finally, I broke, pulled the box down. I told her, I opened the lid. I said, I, I took the turtle from the store and see what I was going to do. My story was I was going to say to her, it rained really hard and I found it in the gutter, right? A green turtle from wherever that's from, like South America or something in the gutter in front of my house. But I'm five. So I had to get back in the car, take the turtle back to Yellowfront. I had to stand before the manager and say, here's the turtle. I stole my turtle. I stole this turtle. This is at five. See, humans want what they want. They just want what they want. And they will connive and they will scheme to get whatever they want. So I combined sins, and I'm five. First of all, I had an idea, and I knew it was wrong. But I schemed and found a way to steal, steal that turtle. Then I lied on top of it, right? Then I started concocting an entire story as to how to justify finding a turtle. And so when I say this, I tell you, at that age, it was so painful to tell my mom, so I'm telling you, it doesn't necessarily get easier the older we get. It doesn't get easier. But it is the still the exact same process. And so thank God that he doesn't grow tired or weary. It takes tremendous perseverance and endurance to help, to guide, to discipline, to mold, and to shape a human being that would otherwise grow wild. And so God is very committed to this pruning process, this shaping, this tending process, if we will let him. So we have to take responsibility and stand on our own. We have to admit and acknowledge our successes and our failures. So we take this very deep, searching, fearless moral inventory. It's one of the ways I, quote unquote, catch up to be a grown-up. I just clean the slate. I go all the way back as far as I need to go with somebody. And this can be, this can be anyone, as long as they're a safe person and a confidant, and they have your best intentions in mind. And they don't feel the need to be your parent. That they're willing to listen, to lament, to cry with you, to feel bad with you, and they don't ever water it down, but they don't judge you. So the reason I can do this is because God promised to never leave me, to never forsake me. I can always be honest with him and ask for wisdom as to who on earth I need to share. So I don't have to be ashamed of my humanness ever. 
He accepts me completely without reservation. And as a result, he then helps me accept myself. The good, the bad, the ugly. If you get nothing out of this show other than understanding that God accepts you completely, he sees things you won't see until you get to heaven. He sees things that he doesn't even bother to show us sometimes because it would be too burdensome and it's not going to get worked out. So you have to understand that God sees completely who you are and died for you. When he died on the cross 1,970 years ago, he had you in mind and he knew what you were going to do. He knew what you did this morning. He knows what you're going to do this weekend. He knows what you're going to do in the next five minutes. And he loves you just like a good parent. So Romans chapter 8 verse 1. This is the famous verse that says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So let's make the differentiation between judging a person which leads to condemnation, and judging a behavior, which leads to correction. This is a very different process. The healthy version is judging a behavior as a way to change that behavior. So judgment of a behavior to lead to change versus judging a person, and the natural outcome is they then need to be condemned. So understand that no condemnation doesn't necessarily mean no consequences. I wish that were the case. <laughs> but many times our consequences are the things that galvanize that, that propensity to do that sin. So the heart of the consequences, sometimes that helps us to learn, wow, I, I don't ever want to do that again. I know where that goes. I know what, what happened. I know what, bring, what that brings. I've learned. And that's the goal, is learning. See, this is what's very, very important that you want to think about when God is shining light in the dark places. It's in the light that I can truly see what I'm dealing with. If I don't get it out, then things that should be small become really big inside of me. Have you noticed that? That small offenses that you have done are the things you think on the most and feel the worst about many times. And the things that are really big we make really small. And we minimize those and deny those in our head, in our gut. And we say, oh, well, you know, this, I'm just human or, you know, everybody else is doing it or I'll never do it again anyway, so whatever. And the little things we really focus on. So when I am willing to bring things out into the light and speak them out into the light, you get a much better awareness of what that issue truly is. There's lots of times when I've said something out loud and I've gone, oh, that's ridiculous. That's silly. It's not that big of a deal. And there have been times when I've started to say, okay, I need to talk about this. Or I've started to talk about it out loud and I go, oh, gosh, this is bad. This is really ugly. Oh, shoot. This is painful. But that pleases God. Because why would God truly want me to confess? Why would he want that? See, pain changes people. However, remember this saying I've told you. You can have pain for gain or pain in vain, but you can never have no pain. 
So the pain of confession, if you let that be for your gain, you will be a safer, smarter, healthier, more contented, well-rounded, balanced person. If you let the pain of confession be in vain, then you're going to have to do it again. And you're going to have to experience more pain. Because unfortunately, pain is the thing that changes humans, any mammal, more than anything. I wish it were all the positives. If it were all the positives, if it was just love that changed people, then God would not have consequence. Because he loves everybody, but somehow that hasn't seemed to translate into good behavior all the time. So condemnation and shame is only pain in vain. If I condemn myself and shame myself, then I'm experiencing a bunch of pain over what I did, and it's all in vain. It won't create any change in me whatsoever. In fact, it causes me to become more wounded, scared, feel more guilty, angrier, bitter, hopeless, despairing, right? You can fill in the blanks. And because I'm feeling all of those terrible things, then I want to hide. I get more into denial. I explain more. I have more explanations as to why I did it. I justify. And I run from the very person I should be running to, which is Jesus and the person he's put in my life to help. So the only way to heal from shame is exposure. Now, always this is with safe people. I don't want to be shamed again when I disclose something. So experiencing true sorrow, as well as really feeling sick over what I have done, or what I've said to myself or to God or to anybody else, that's pain for gain. That changes me. That causes me to be a deeper person, a more valiant person, a more merciful person a kinder person, a more loving person. And people describe me as very kind, but they know I'm not soft. I don't, I don't have a problem really confronting something. But I don't beat people up, and I don't shame them. So it's imperative that we really understand that I want to be a trustworthy individual for others, but I also need to be one for myself. That pleases God. See, this doesn't mean that safe and trustworthy people don't hurt people or make mistakes. Safe people, trustworthy people care more about what they have done than you do. They feel worse about it than you probably do. And they're going to do everything they can to fix it. That is a safe, trustworthy person that is also mistake-making, that is also growing, that causes you to be able to trust in who they are, not always in what they do. See, the opposite is the person that has all the behaviors that we think we can trust what they do, but we really can't trust who they are because we don't always know why they're doing what they're doing and if it's really for common good or if it's only for their own self-aggrandizing, for, for their own success. So think more about this as we, as we go forward. This idea of finding a safe person to confess to and the point of why God wants, he says, come, let us reason together. I want to make your sins as white as snow. God loves you deeply and he wants the best for you and he wants you to really actualize your potential and to be everything that he dreamed you would be when he created you. So God bless you today. 
We will talk more about this, and we're going to talk about shame and is fear bad and what it means to make yourself sick with fear. So have a blessed day. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.